Welcome to the Peter Gabbett Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Peter Timothy Hankst, and today is April 18th, 2020, which means I'm on day 126 of 365 promised episodes that brings you improv, unedited, unscripted, movies, news, music, sports, entertainment, and all things except politics. Now, folks, some people out there are just dissatisfied with this stay-at-home order. They are demanding that we reopen America and we do it in a hasty fashion. Now, the people of Huntington Beach, 200 of them, in fact, have come together to protest the closure of their businesses and the forcing of staying at home. They are sick of this. They want it to be over. They demand that they reopen America, and these people, they find that everyone else is a germaphobe, you know, because they don't know anyone who's sick, and they haven't got the illness themselves, and it has not affected them except negatively financially. You know, they haven't been able to work. The governor of California, he was one of the first governors to close down the whole state and tell everyone to stay at home and only allow essential businesses to continue doing doing work. Now, I say that I kind of agree with these people because I still have never known a single individual who has had the coronavirus. You know, I live in a city of like 25,000, and there is less than 50 cases of the coronavirus in my entire city in the past few months. So I have to assume it's either on a downward path where, you know, the amount of cases will get more and more seldom or that it just really didn't affect this specific region or we all already had it, whatever the case. But I believe it's high time to consider reopening all of the businesses. We're all losing money. The stimulus thing, you know, that was just wasn't enough. That's not enough money. Let's face facts. 3400 bucks is what I received. I got two kids and me and my wife. Now, my rent is 2400 for one month. So that leaves me with 1000 to pay my other bills, which far exceed 1000 for a month as well. If you include car insurance, car payments, credit cards, you know, cable, water, electricity, all these things add up. Now, I need to go back to work. My business has been put on hold for too long. And my actual business is losing money too. I'm paying my fees in order to stay in business for what? To not be able to sell anything? Now, I might have to agree with these protesters a little bit. Am I going to go out and protest? No. Do I want to be around 200 other people protesting, talking about germophobia and how it's, it's whack? I don't think so. Because I'm pretty sure those people, you know, if they are not concerned with germs... Have they showered? Are they clean? Do they use hand sanitizer? I don't know. But the same sort of protests have been going on in Michigan and Ohio. So we're not the only ones fed up down here in Southern California. I believe within a month you will see a major change and things will be back to normal. Because if not, I'm pretty sure the amount of protesters will exponentially grow. In Santa Cruz, 10 nurses were suspended 
for refusing to treat COVID-19 patients without masks. Yes, they were not provided any masks, and they were told they had to work with closely with some patients of the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, I have to admit, I do agree with their demand to have the masks or not work. You know, that's like asking a construction worker to do his job without a hard hat. You know, there's just a way higher chance of you getting screwed when you don't have the mask and you're breathing in direct germs from the person infected with the virus. Why would you even ask people to do that? So they got suspended, but suspended with pay. So I got to say, they made the right choice 100%. Because now they're on a paid vacation. You know, like, no problems here. What, so I can either not wear a mask and go treat infected people with a disease that might kill me, or I can go home and still get paid. (laughs) I'm pretty sure I know what option I'm going to take. I mean, what? That's ridiculous. Why would you even ask them to do that? It makes no sense. I mean, make something. Put a scarf around their face or something. Do you not have some fabric and somebody who knows how to sew in the entire hospital? You're just like saying, hey, oh no, you know what? We can't get any sort of mask for you. It's impossible. But we can run an entire hospital. That's that's not too hard to do. We can, we can totally do that. We can treat patients from all across, you know, the county. People are sick. People are injured. But we can't get a hold of some patches of square fabric with some strings attached to them. <laughs> Ridiculous. The world of overoffended people continues to grow into a reality in which we live where Lando Lake's butter has to remove their image of a Native American on their butter because people are offended. Yes, now there's no more Native American sitting in the center of their packaging, which is pretty much how you can... You can see that it's their butter in the corner of your eye. You're like, oh, recognizable brand, Lando Lakes. Not bad butter. I'll get some. But now without that there, you know, people won't see it. And they'll think, oh, this must be some new age butter company that nobody likes. I've never heard of it. I don't want any of this. I only buy the stuff with the with the Indian on the cover, you know, or Tillamook because it's more creamy and delicious. But it's more expensive. But you know what? I'll get it because I still recognize Tillamook because they have their little, you know, sailboat thing, but but not the Native American brand I used to buy called Lando Lakes. What what is going on here? You can't have a picture of an Indian on something otherwise it's racist. So are we just going to forget that Indians ever existed? Are we now deciding there were no Indians? Cuz I'm pretty sure That's more offensive to them than having a picture of them on your product. This is stupid. They're taking away all the names of of any sports teams related to Indians. Redskins, you know, that's that's not acceptable, they say. The Washington Redskins, how dare you call them Redskins? That's racist. Well, it's not. 
If their skin was red, then they're redskins. I'm a white skin. Call me that all you want. I'm not going to get offended because it's true. This is crazy how there's a double standard for certain things. You know, there's a show called Blackish. It's obviously about black people. But if you just, if you called a black person a blackie, well, that would be, I mean, that even sounds racist. I just said it. It sounds racist. I would never do that. I would never call a black person a blackie. But there can be a show called Blackish about black people. There can be a black entertainment channel that's specific to black folks getting their entertainment. But there will never be a white entertainment channel because that is called the Hallmark Channel. No, I'm kidding. But that is seriously some racist stuff. You can't have just a white thing like that. And you can't have a Native American on your butter, apparently, ether. Now, sometimes actors and actresses portray a character in a show that later comes back to haunt them in their actual personal life. One of those circumstances, which is downright hilarious, is Lori Laughlin, as we all remember, played Aunt Becky on Full House. Well, we know that Lori Laughlin is currently wrapped up in a case against her involving admission scandal and getting her child into college and all that stuff in an illegal fashion to where, you know, let's flat out admit, she broke the law to get her kid into a specific college. And, you know, here's the thing. What's crazy about this story is there's an actual episode resurfacing now on of Full House from back in the day that reminds us all how truly a scumbag she is, I should say. Because in this episode, it portrays Uncle Jesse as lying to their to a prestigious preschool to get their child in there and Aunt Becky calling him out on his lie and forcing him to admit that he did something wrong and come clean about their lie to get their child into a prestigious preschool. And look at this. Years later, apparently... Playing that character did not teach her the right thing to do in a circumstance exactly like that, as she then did the exact same thing Uncle Jesse's character did from the show in order to aid her daughter in college. This is both disturbing and hilarious, because how can you... How can you play a character who has these great morals and have, like, basically the exact same thing happen in a TV show that happens in your real life and you choose to be the person in the wrong even though on the show you were the person who forced the person in the wrong to do the right thing eventually? (laughs) That is the ultimate form of hypocrisy. So some sports organizations have made some pretty drastic decisions in order to possibly have their seasons at all or continue their seasons. And MLB 
is basically not not just a rumor anymore. Pretty much has decided to play the majority of their games during this pandemic directly in Arizona to avoid traveling, interstate commerce, and and you know I don't know cross contamination to make sure that people who are important to them, which is their players, remain in the same area the entire time, which means they will, I guess, play all their games where spring training normally occurs, where there's multiple fields in the same area, and, you know, obviously it won't draw crowds. I don't even know if people will be allowed to attend. But either way, at least we'll have some sort of sports to watch. Because other than the promises of the UFC, which supposedly on May 9th will have the most stacked card of all time, I see, I foresee no sports at all. You know, it doesn't look like the NBA has made any major decisions towards the continuance of the NBA season. And instead of that, they're using artificial intelligence to predict who would have won the NBA title this year. And it looks like the Bucks, based on stats alone. But I gotta say, I was going for the LA Clippers big time. Like, this is their year to shine. So to take that away from them would be an absolute sports travesty. And some people have gone to great lengths to continue the sports that they run. Like with Dana White in the UFC, he's purchasing an entire island to ensure that there's a place that's safe for his fighters to fight in. And they're using what was used for a reality show, an octagon in in Vegas that is really doesn't have a space for spectators to be there to watch. But that is where UFC 250, I guess, if you want to say we skipped 249, will be held on May 9th. So they're doing whatever they have to do to bring the real dedicated fans like me some sort of sports entertainment, which is what we need. The, the sports world and the fans... We are lost without sports. We have nothing on a daily basis to specifically look forward to. I mean, we have reality shows. I guess that's okay. And some movies that are being released, meh. But what we really yearn for is watching people play sports that we wish we were still playing that we can't play because of an old injury or because we're married with kids and don't have time or because our career doesn't allow it or whatever the reason. But that's why we watch. We yearn to do what they're doing and we can't. So we at least get to enjoy somebody else doing it. And without that either, it's just a sad time for us. Now Disneyland and other major amusement parks and companies and hotel chains and restaurants even have decided to release the recipes for some of their famed food options. And, you know, they've got the the Toy Story Woody's grilled cheese sandwich thing going on from Disneyland. And actually one item from Disneyland I did create. And I gotta say, it's so simple and delicious Anyone should make this at their house. Pineapple Dole Whip. Yes. Now, I know we've all sat in line in Disneyland and paid 
15 bucks for a small scoop of that stuff and then been as happy as a little kid. But there's also another recipe out by a business that I have to say is gold. An absolute gold mine. The Double Tree Cookies from the Hilton brand hotel chain Double Tree has released their recipe and I made them and they are just like the ones you get in the hotel that are so dangerously addicting every time you walk by the receptionist desk going in and out of your room you feel like you have to ask for more and you tell them well I got five or six people in my in the two hotel rooms I can I just get a few more bags you know for them as well and really it's a lie they're all for you or you even take some home you disgustingly take home hotel cookies because they're so good and you don't want to admit this but I've done it well now you can make the cookies. And I gotta, I gotta say, it has some strange ingredients in it you wouldn't expect, including lemon juice. I've never put lemon juice in chocolate chip cookies before, but it is necessary. And if you do it the way the recipe says, and you used rolled oats instead of, you know, Quaker old-fashioned breakfast cereal oats and things like that, if you do exactly what they tell you, It'll be the exact same cookie, and it'll be so worth it. They're so... They remain gooey. I don't even know how. You know how three or four days after you make homemade cookies, they harden up and get stale, no matter what. It just seems like that's what happens, unless you individually wrap each one in plastic wrap. I mean, if you're keeping them in a Tupperware, they're not going to remain as gooey as you'd like. But these somehow do. And you gotta use semi-sweet chocolate chips. It can't be the milk chocolate chips. It won't be the same thing. Just do it as the recipe describes. Look it up online. Double Tree Hotel Cookies. You will be more than satisfied. I promise you. It's time for the portion of the Peter Gabbett Podcast we all love so very much and hold so dearly to our hearts. It is Real Stories brought to you by a debonair individual by the name of Peter Timothy Hankst, also known as me, and Barbecusion, that's B-B-Q-U-S-I-O-N, if you haven't heard it before. Today, folks, I'm going to tell you the story about when a friend of mine chose to blame something on me so that he could avoid punishment, and I forced him to come clean. Yes, so I was friends, well, I am friends, with a dear Dear homie of mine by the name of Nathan Krupp. Now, if that name rings a bell to anyone listening to this, it's because you have, I'm sure, at least one absolutely absurd memory of him. He was a wild child, to say the least. Now, I didn't meet a lot of kids that were crazier than me when I was young, but he definitely takes the title of craziest kid in my entire neighborhood by far. In every possible way. So I would hang out with him anytime I wanted something out of the ordinary to occur in my life. And that was, it seemed, quite often. Because I hung out with the guy every day for many, many years. And one of the times we were hanging out, we noticed a cigar encased in glass on a plaque that his dad had received for many years of hard work for the company known as Les Schwab. Up in the Pacific Northwest, there's a, a tire 
changing brand of, well, company, I should say, called Les Schwab, where you pull in, they swap your tires with a brand new one, or use, whatever you want, or they fix your tire if it's if it's capable of being fixed, and then send you on your way. And there is no faster and more efficient and more kind service than you'll receive from Les Schwab if you're up there in Oregon, Washington, and I believe a little bit of Northern California. So this company, you know, it, it grew. It was a family-owned venture until just recently when it sold out to, I don't know, like True Value or something or Firestone, whatever it did. Either way, for a long time, it was a family-owned company, very good, good place, and they took care of their employees wonderfully. And in this case, they had given my friend Nathan Krupp's dad a plaque saying, you know, wonderful, hard years of work, whatever, here's a cigar. So it, it must have been a good cigar because it was encased in glass. So you know they did something to get this fine quality tobacco and put it in there. So it taunted us, you know, over and over, telling us that we should smoke it. You know, we were bad little kids. We were just bad. I'm not going to lie. We, we were not good kids. We did a ton of terrible stuff. Now we must have been like probably 12, at most 13, and we decided one day it was time to bust open this thing and smoke this cigar. Now, I personally had no say in this. I don't even think I brought it up, spoke about it, you know, had the idea in my head at all. I, I looked at the plaque many times, of course, but I never said once that we should steal his dad's cigar and smoke it. But one day, Nathan calls me up and he says, hey, I stole that cigar from my dad, let's smoke it. And I'm thinking, well, I'm not going to turn down a chance to smoke a cigar. That's what cool old people do. And I'm young and I want to be cool and old. So, of course, as a stupid kid, I thought that would be a grand idea. So I snuck over to it. Well, didn't even sneak over. I just went to his house. I'm like, hey, parents, I'm going to Nathan's house, whatever. So I get over there and we go to the side of his house right next to you know, where there's a only limited space between the fence and his next-door neighbor's house. And so, you know, that's probably the sneakiest place we could be. And we're smoking this cigar, and we're huffing it, and it tastes terrible. I mean, it's not even good. It's just nasty. I don't even know what we were thinking. I hated every puff I took. But I took puffs because I thought that was the cool thing that I should do. And after a few more puffs... It was about maybe a third of the way done. And Nathan's dad's girlfriend shows up to the house randomly. And I just book it. I jump the fence. I go, like she pulls up to the front of the house. And as she's entering the front door, I jump the fence to the front of the house. And cross paths with her to where she doesn't see me because she's going into the house at that time. And I book it out of his front yard to my house. And I'm just hiding and sure enough, I get a call from Nathan, I think the next day, explaining to me that I'm no longer allowed at his house. Yep. And I'm, I'm thinking, why wouldn't I be allowed at your house when you probably got caught smoking your dad's cigar? Well, it's because he told his dad it was me, not him. That I stole it, that I smoked it, and that every part of the crime, so to speak, that was committed 
had to do with the mastermind that is Peter Hankst and not Nathan Krupp. I'm thinking, dude, you're a total piece of shit for that. You obviously are not a good friend. Anytime ever that my friends and I got busted doing something, I fully took the blame no matter what because there was no way my parents were going to say that I couldn't hang out with myself. But of course, they will immediately stop you from hanging out with your friend if you blame it on them. So I didn't know what his idea behind this was, but I was like, well, I guess we're not hanging out anymore, you moron. So have fun finding a new friend that can tolerate your psychosis, your craziness, as much as I can. And sure enough, after a couple days of him not hanging out with me and me having pretty much no one to hang out with either, we came to the conclusion that it was time for him to admit what he had done to his dad. Like, he kept telling me, he's like, oh, man, I'll come over and hang out with you. And I'm like, man, we can't do the things we can do at your house when your dad's always gone at work. And it's much more freedom to be the idiots that we are at your house. So if you ever want me to be able to come over again, you need to tell your dad what really happened. So finally, after all this, he went to his dad. He told him the truth. His dad, I don't know what he did to him. His dad was a scary dude. He he did some freaky stuff to us, too. Like, when we got caught smoking cigarettes, he lined all of us up, me and all of his friends, and screamed in our faces in such a threatening way that if our parents had known about this, they probably would have been at least in shock, if not not letting us go to his house ever again. I mean, he spit in our faces, screamed at us, threatened us, telling us he would beat all of our asses if we ever smoked again which actually did put the fear in us, but not enough to where we were actually going to listen to him. We pretty much just chuckled and said, screw you, you're not our dad. But yep, he eventually, you know, realized that his son was an absolute liar and allowed me to go back to his house, which I did. I don't know why, because obviously that's not what a good friend would do. Years later, of course, I'm, I'm still friends with Nate. He's a great friend. He's actually the exact opposite of what he was as a kid. The guy is a hardworking family man, loves his family, loves his friends. I got nothing but positive things to say about the dude. But man, blaming that shit on me was not cool, bro. Lesson to be learned here is obvious. Do not blame your friends for things. Because then the people around you will not want your friends around you because they'll think they're dirty scumbags. But if you blame yourself, you take the blame, you admit your fault... Most people will forgive you, especially your family. So don't be an idiot. I appreciate you listening to the Peter Gabbett Podcast today, folks. It means the world to me. I hope you're staying safe, staying healthy, and staying at home. And I will talk to you tomorrow. Yeah, I saw the sign in the window for the job. Yeah, I got a high school education, but that's all. Skills. You want to know if I got some skills? Yeah, I got some skills. This goes out to all my friends. What you gonna be when you grow up? 
I'm all grown up and still don't know what I might throw up, I rock a tow truck Long as it means that I can get old and post up I used to be a typical winner Living off the gratuity from delivering your dinner Cause as a kid, I didn't consider That I would get the opportunity to be a full-time spitter I love this occupation I got bosses across the nation Validation is an understatement And I don't really know how to take a vacation My kind don't have any free time I'm so distracted, but everything's fine I speak shine and I read signs Appreciate your opinion, but this dream's mine It's all love, we're cool But you don't tell a cowboy what to do I was the ugly kid that didn't listen Little big man full of ambition Based on imagination Just like you Daydreaming, thinking about the things I might do I used to paint, draw, and illustrate Mom would facilitate And it would feel okay Seems like yesterday still plays a part When I grow up, I wanted a job making art Picture that, how many years old Young enough to mix up love with career goals But I was just this tall When they told me that the world was mine But the papers weren't signed There's no deed, so proceed to go seed Up the whole piece like it owes me groceries Don't breathe, until you formally know me Won't leave, better call authorities It's all love, we're cool But you don't tell an astronaut what to do The turntable stole my heart Burnt the paintbrush, broke it apart I miss it, I might revisit But I wasn't that good, I admit it Maybe you can't tell, but as a kid I wanted to be Melly Mel And later as a teenager I wanted to be LL Then I discovered weed and I wanted to be Dell And thank God eventually I found myself It's funny when I bump into fools I used to go to school with And they ask what I'm doing Half of the time I wanna crack a lie But fuck it, I'm still a wannabe rapper guy <laughs> Yeah, I guess that it seems that way I get to see the world and it's decent pay As long as somebody wanna see us play I wake up every morning and I seize the day It's all love, we're cool But you don't tell the president what to do In light of that recent real stories I just told you, I'm going to play a song by Atmosphere that he dedicated to his friends and I'm dedicating to my friends. It's called To All My Friends. <laughs> 